0: Hello and welcome to Radio Silence, bringing science into focus for the next hour. Today's episode is a is a pretty fun theme, I think, because I picked it. Uh, we're talking all about extinctions, um, and my name is Alish. I Haven't been on the show for quite some time. Welcome back. We're glad to have you here. Very glad to be here. And selfishly, I'm just taking up all the airtime already. Um, But welcome everyone else. Hello. Um, I thought, why don't we go around and see what our favorite extinct animal is and pay homage to them. Um, (laughs) Mine would personally be the thylacine, the Tasmanian tiger, Mm -hmm. Australia's you know recent apex predator. Very sad. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Christina?
1: Um, Well, I, th- I was going to say that too, but I also <laughs> thought of Banjo and Matilda. So these are oh. two Australian dinosaurs that are named after Banjo Patterson and Waltzing mm. Matilda. Oh, so amazing. I just think that's cute.
2: <laughs> Cade? Um, so, I mean, look, I don't have time to pay enough homage now. So in fact, later <laughs> in the show, I'm going to spend a whole lot more time uh, telling you how awesome pterodactyls are and Ooh. um Look, funny, funny story that I'm just I'll chuck in now. I thought so. You know how unicorns are like not real, but everyone like you know they're a mythical thing that everyone's kind of heard of. We love them in Scotland. Well, yeah, no. (laughs) So unicorns, they're not real. Pterodactyls, turns out they are. Like (laughs) those are not a mythical creature, guys. Like I literally learned this like two weeks ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What? I literally thought that pterodactyls
3: were like pterodactyls on this show like a long time before two weeks ago yeah i don't know
2: this. i i don't know i just kind of thought that they one ear like out the other
3: not really <laughs> real thing i don't know or at least
2: two weeks ago i'd convinced myself that they were like unicorns and my mind was blown so i'm gonna tell you all about them but later can't later wait, wait for it wait, wait for, for it uh kai what about you
3: uh, i got going to say, like, just generally Australian megafauna. Like, the, mm-hmm. the thought of a giant wombat running around <laughs> is fantastic. Um, yeah, don't worry about bringing back thylacine. I want to see giant wombats. But what? does
1: it poo, like, massively shaped cubes? Like, <laughs> you did <just laughs>
0: bricks. We could build houses. Yeah. I the mean, possibilities.
2: Yeah. Look at that sustainable... Mm, sustainable mm, futures. Sustainable <laughs> infrastructure. Uh, Golly. Yeah, okay. Well... Uh, should we launch into some news let's, before let's we get started? Uh, Kai, you're looking at me All like right. you're really keen to tell me what you've well, learned this week.
3: Well, we've been talking about, I yeah, just talking about large animals, Australian megafauna. And I want to talk about some more large animals. So think about an elephant. It's like this big, slow-moving animal. Mm. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- it's kind of weird that they're so slow. Like, they have long legs. They they should be able to run fast, right? You know, you can take big steps. And, like, yeah. elephants can run Pretty fast in short bursts, like mm. if they want to charge at you. I mean,
1: I
2: yeah. <laughs> would not want to be on the receiving end of that.
1: No, yeah. but
3: like. Could why... I
2: outrun one though? Like, what are we, do we do? Do you know how fast? I don't actually
3: know how fast, but I. Do you I... know how fast I run? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it would be I'd be, it'd be, a good race to watch. I don't know about <laughs> watching you outrun an elephant if it's trying to run you down. But Let's not let's get not into, not get that, into situation. that situation. So why do we see elephants like slowly plodding around rather than sprinting from A to B? And new research from Germany has found that this is because large animals find it harder to keep themselves cool. Yeah. And it's because they dissipate heat from their surface. And as the volume of an object increases, like the volume increases faster than the surface area.
0: Mm -hmm. And
3: this is called the the square cube law because the, you know, the cube, like the the area of a volume of a cube is... To the power of three, and the surface area is only to the power of two, so mm-hmm. the, the volume grows much faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And consequently, this means that large animals, you know, they've got more muscles generating heat, but proportionally, they've got less skin area to get rid of that heat. Yeah. So they can't move too fast, otherwise they're just simply going to mm. overheat. They'll
0: mm. combust. yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> And, yeah, this is important to know because large animals might be disproportionately affected by climate change mm, and yes. also impacts of, you know, human habitat destruction if they have to move around because, yeah, they can't move as fast. So.
0: Interesting. Poor thing. Seems obvious, but I've never thought about yeah. it.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Catriona, what news have you got?
1: Uh, well, there's a massive black hole in the loose. Oh, loose. <laughs> Whoa. Um, it mm. weighs the equivalent of 20 million suns. Oh, and yeah? it's budging through intergalactic space so fast that if it were in our solar system, uh-huh. it would travel between the Earth and the Moon, which is 385,000 kilometers, mm-hmm. in 14 minutes.
2: Okay. So it's going I pretty know. fast. I'm assuming like we can't go that fast. We can't go uh. that fast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to try outrun to this black hole, Cade? <laughs> um, look, I'm going to try outrun everything today, apparently. I'm going to lose against all of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, what, what's really cool about this is not how fast it's going. Well, that's part of it. But we often think of black holes as quite destructive, like, you know, a cosmic Pac-Man that's just trying to oh, go- engulf yeah. anything much, that's much. too close. But rather than gobbling up stars, this black hole is plowing through gas in front of it and triggering the formation. Of new stars. So it's creating things. things. Oh, what? Yeah. So the black hole is essentially streaking too fast to take time for a snack, which is why it's not gobbling <laughs> up anything. And as it moves, it's created this 200,000 light year long corridor of newborn stars. Wow. So that's twice the diameter of the Milky Way galaxy. So, yeah. Wow. Very big corridor of new stars. And nothing like it has ever been seen before, but it was captured accidentally of course it was. <laughs> yeah. by Science. NASA's Hubble, Hubble Space Telescope. Yeah. So just by chance, the researcher was like, oh, look, this is like this weird thing. Let's try and erase it. Oh. Oh. oh, oh, hang <laughs> on. It's a real thing. <laughs> Um, so, obviously, what the telescope sees is not the black hole itself. You know, it's very hard to see a black mm. hole. Mm. Um, but what it's seeing is that... The, the corridor. The corridor of stars. So, mm. where the gas is cooled after it was, like, sort of shocked and heated by the motion of the black hole, mm. that's where the stars form. And so, the trail is presumably has lots of new stars because it's almost half as bright as the galaxy that the black hole is linked to. <laughs> yeah, wow. wow. So, pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Um And... They're not 100% sure why this happens and why it's triggering star formation and also why it's just like skyrocketing through space. Um, But it's likely the result of multiple collisions of supermassive black holes. So astronomers think that there were two galaxies – that merged maybe 50 million years ago Mm -hmm. and then they brought together two supermassive black holes and so you've got two Mm. supermassive black holes, that's fine they just circle each other, binary black hole, that's (laughs) fine. Mm. But then another galaxy came along with a supermassive black hole and you know, two's company but three's a crowd. So the the third one was like sort of, it it became chaotic, it was unstable Mm. and so one of the black holes robbed the momentum of the other two and just sort of got thrown
3: out of the galaxy and so it's just (laughs) whirling
1: through, creating new Does it just does in the bed and the little <laughs> one
3: said, get out of my galaxy? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I just thought
2: that was beautiful. Oh. That's amazing. Mm. Oh my gosh! The things we see by chance. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Cade. Well, all right. So magic tricks. Oh. Ooh. Um. So. <gasps> It turns out you should be. Ailish is just over here coughing while I'm trying to astound you all with my (laughs) news story about uh, magic. But no, okay. So magic tricks. We've all seen them. Specifically, I'm talking about sleight of hand magic Mm. tricks where you kind of see a magician perform something and it just like baffles you as to like (laughs) how on earth they did it, right?
3: Obviously magic.
2: Obviously magic. No. Well, but No. So way it to turns- shatter all of our dreams. <laughs> Sorry, there's a magic magician spoiler alerts in this news story as well. Like, but turns out the way that our hands are structured can play like a big role in how we anticipate the movements of others and therefore how we like get tricked in these like sleight-of-hand magic tricks. Because it turns out that monkeys can also be fooled by magic tricks and like sleight-of-hand magic tricks, but only under like certain conditions. Mm. So In a recent study, researchers investigated how different species of monkeys (laughs) reacted to a common sleight-of-hand magic trick called the French drop, which, like, I'm just imagining these scientists doing, like, magic tricks on monkeys and recording their response. Like, that's what they were doing. Absolutely. I don't have any humans to be my audience. Monkeys. Yeah. (laughs) So these failed magicians, I mean, really serious scientists... (laughs) Essentially, they did this, like, French drop magic trick, which, like, tune out now if you don't want any magic spoilers. (laughs) Um, But essentially, it's the magic trick where you hold, like, a coin or a bowl or some, like, small object in between your thumb – and your fingers, right? Mm-hmm. And then you come in with your other hand, make it look like you've grabbed that oh, object, yeah. but then, oh, it's disappeared from your opposing hand because you've dropped it down <laughs> right. into the palm of the original hand. And that's mm-hmm. the French drop, right? And so it tricks you into thinking that you've grabbed it in the other hand, but then, oh, it's disappeared, it's not there. So what these researchers did, they got three different species of monkeys with very different hand structures. So they had common marmosets, they had Humboldt's squirrel monkeys, and they had something called yellow breasted. Why do I try pronounce things? Capuchins? Is that yellow breasted capuchins? I think so. Sounds correct. Sure. Um, <laughs> three different hand structures with these monkeys, though. And essentially, they performed this trick, and then they also did one where they did actually grab the coin or whatever. They called it a real transfer and put it over into the hand. And what they did is they made it look like they were doing that, and then they got the monkeys to choose which hand is the coin in, which hand is the object in, and it so interesting because what they found is that the magic trick was able to trick the squirrel monkeys and the capuchins but not the marmosets what? and what sets the marmosets mm. apart is that they don't have opposable thumbs
0: ah. right so the only
2: species so only the species with like full or partial opposable thumbs like humans were yeah. tricked by this trick using opposable thumbs. Now, it gets even cooler because they then did an adapted version of the trick where instead of holding it between their like thumb and their finger, they did something called a power grip, which all of the monkeys could do with their hand structures. And then suddenly all of them were tricked. Wow. Wow. So apparently our, like, perception of actions or perception of grip and just, like, understanding of our own biomechanics can, Mm. like, help inform how we get tricked. Well, it helps inform what we think has happened in a situation based on what we've seen, right? Mm. And so we only get tricked if we understand the biomechanics of what the trick is trying to use, which I don't know. So biology makes magic real. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) what this study is showing. (laughs) Biology makes magic real. And... Yeah, I just, I don't know. I thought that was really cool. Um, uh, Yeah, Yeah. that's my news. That's my news for the week, magic monkeys.
3: (laughs) That's very cool. All right, well, we're going to get into some more science today and talking all about extinctions. Before that, remember, you can check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Silence. And here's our first song. It's Andy by Last Dinosaurs.
2: You are listening to Radio Silence here on Radio Fodder. That was Andy by The Last Dinosaurs because today we're talking all about extinctions. Ailish, start us off.
0: All righty. So I'm here to bring some not fun news. oh,
2: um, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She picks a topic and then yeah, comes in. just big downer for everyone. Um, so I want to talk about the sixth mass extinction. Spoiler alert, it's, um, we're, we're in it, guys. Oh. Um, and also right. focusing on what Australia has to do with it as well. Um, but let's just take it back and talk about what is a mass extinction. Mm-hmm. So a mass extinction event is when a huge amount of species – die out at a rate much faster than they're being replaced in Mm -hmm. an ecosystem. So this could happen over thousands or millions of years, um, but ultimately in the geological scale, it's a a very short time. So we're talking about losing 75% of the world's species within 2.8 million years is kind of the general trend of what a mass extinction could look Mm -hmm. like. So... Over its lifetime, Earth has experienced five mass extinction events. Of course, the last one we're all familiar with, the dinosaurs being wiped out just over 65 million years ago. Cough
2: and the pterosaurs. We'll get to that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> justice for pterosaurs. Justice for pterosaurs. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so according to experts, yes, we are now living through the sixth mass extinction. Now, Extinctions are a normal part of the evolutionary process. Get this. It's absolutely crazy to think that more than 99% of all organisms that have ever lived on Earth are extinct. Yeah, wow. What? Yeah. So it's a normal thing. You know, species come, species go. New species fill in the gaps. But when these extinctions happen at such a high rate, ecosystems begin to just totally collapse. (coughs) there isn't time for these other species to evolve and fill in the Mm. gaps when others die out. So what can happen is we get like a chain reaction. So for example, um, let's look to North America where, you know, in some areas wolves have just been totally wiped out. What happens in in a broad Mm. sense, I'm not picking any particular case study, is (coughs) the animals that they prey on, rise in numbers so mm-hmm. it could be deer or moose they're usually herbivores right so these animals are now running around eating all the plants eating all the vegetation mm-hmm. so then all of a sudden we start losing all of these plant species because they're being over browsed now not only are we losing plants but what about all the other species that those plants support fungi birds mm-hmm. insects <coughs> apologies for the coughing you guys um and so what happens is from losing you know just these wolves, we suddenly just get this huge cascade, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. that can have really big impacts for humans, right? Because we rely on ecosystems to function, mm-hmm. to you know, keep our climate stable, give us food, water security. So it's it's kind of a big deal. I'm um, yeah, sorry to say. <coughs> so. What's happening? Oh, yeah. I'm just. It was
2: like it's kind of a big deal. Sorry to say. Anyway, let's moving on. It's I'm kind just of like, a big
0: deal. Well, um, all right. We'll get to like, hey, maybe there's something we can all. I do. was, I was wait, I was um, like
2: gonna say, are yeah. you gonna give me anything to hold on to? I'll give hope you something. With? All right, Like it's, cool.
0: it's a mega morsel in the scheme of this <laughs> disaster, but um, yeah. Well, yeah, we can all, we can all do stuff. Cool. So. Earth's normal extinction rate is thought to be around 0.1 to 1 species per 10 this you know what this is a mouthful essentially <laughs> we have like a <laughs> we have a background rate of just like everything going well this is what we'd expect pe- mm-hmm. species going extinct but the current rate of species extinction is between 1000 and 10000 times higher than that
2: Yeah, okay. That's, like, not a small – It's, like, not (laughs) great,
0: hey. Mm. So the big difference between this mass extinction event and previous ones is that for the first time humans are the ones driving Mm -hmm. it, right? It's not a meteorite. It's not natural causes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of things at play when we're talking, okay, who's to blame? There's a lot. Us. Earth has been Hi. through a lot.
2: It's us. We're the problem. It's us. <laughs> it's kind of us.
0: Um, well, it, it is us. Um, so a big one would be land use change. Humans have already transformed over 70% of land surfaces. 40% of all land is being used for food production. And not only does this mean immense land clearing, deforestation, loss of habitat, mm-hmm. but agriculture is also a leading cause of soil degradation, uh, pollution and biodiversity loss so that's one of the big players but there's you know over exploitation of resources climate change th- there's a lot happening here but instead of just like staying on this sort of big broad picture i want to zero in on australia because mm. we have one of the worst track records when it comes to extinction rates over the past 200 years not really yeah
3: it's not, so... not something you want to be proud of but... <laughs>
0: No, absolutely not. What we should be proud of is that we have the second largest number of endemic species in the world after Indonesia. So, like, we just have all these animals and plants Mm -hmm. and fungi that are only found here, Mm. and that's so
2: cool. I mean, that's cool until they all go extinct.
0: Exactly, (laughs) right? And I think it shows that we have a big responsibility to protect global biodiversity. Mm. Like, it's not just for Mm. Australia, it's for the world. Yeah. But when it comes to mammals... Australia is the global leader of extinction rates. Oh.
2: Global leader <laughs> of the bad things. Yeah, oh. yep. good. Yeah. Um,
0: so since colonization, Australia has lost 34 mammals, which is about the same number as the rest of the world combined <laughs> over the past 200 years. Great. Uh, so these include, oh, no. as I mentioned, the Tasmanian tiger, mm, the eastern betong, um, lesser bilby banded hair wallaby, the list sadly goes on. Of course, flora as well is is under severe pressure. 37 mm. species have been declared extinct since colonisation 200 years ago. Um, the, sp- the short spider orchid, maiden's bush pea, daintree's river banana, lots mm. of really cool plants that we're just never going to get back. Mm. I...
2: This is – I went to say that I didn't even think about plants and then I remembered who I was talking to and I hesitated. Back off.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: I hesitated to She's admit. back, guys. Uh, Defending the plants. Botany babe is here to <laughs> slay. Uh, anyway. Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't even um, think about plants though and, like, how that's – that's also sad. Like, that's
0: – It's very sad. And plants, you know, they're there they're, – there. And that would like feed into the animal. That's it. Yeah. They're supporting yeah, yeah, yeah. so much. Like everything needs a plant. Everything needs a plant. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. Uh, there are 191 plant species that are critically endangered across the continent um, and many, many more that are threatened. So... I could go into you know European colonization. There's a lot there, but let's just let's it's like that's a whole other topic. <laughs> a lot of stuff went down, wasn't good, but mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. good
2: summary of colonization yeah, a lot like of stuff st- went down it wasn't past good. that one
0: uh. who um, but it, I to sort of look at what's happening now, um yeah, of course, we've got habitat degradation, land clearing, bushfires. But the big one I want to talk about is introduced uh, species, which experts say introduced pests and weeds are the major threat to 82% of all terrestrial threatened species in Australia. And of the 29 mammal species that have become extinct in Australia over recent years, cats have been pinned as the main contributor to Mm. 20 of them. Yeah right. Right. I have heard. <laughs> yeah, and so don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not. I'm not here to hate on anyone's cat. Cats are absolutely fantastic. Can you tell I don't have a cat? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I like, was like, say that more like a dog person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. I am a dog person. But hey, I didn't want that to. I didn't want that cat to get out of the bag. Oh, <laughs> oh. Um, no, they're great. But here's the thing. They're doing. They're doing a lot of damage. And cat owners, listen up. Um, cats are. Yeah, just a a really, really big reason why a lot of our um, animals, particularly mammals, but also lizards and birds and all sorts of wildlife are threatened. Um, And I think when we think about cats killing wildlife, we tend to just think, oh, yeah, it's like feral cats. But Mm. actually, and and yes, feral cats kill more than 3 billion animals per year in Australia. It's a massive problem. But pet cats are not innocent Mm. unless they are kept contained Uh, in a house or, you know, within a cat run, 24 hours a day, um, pet cats are doing immense damage. On average, any pet cat that is allowed to roam, even if it's just for part of the day or the night, they kill 186 reptiles, birds and mammals per year in Australia. That's one cat. Wow. And a lot of people tend to think, well, you know, it wouldn't be my cat (laughs) <laughs> um, mittens would never do that but what we've found what studies have found is that so using like video tracking on collars and scat analysis mm-hmm. the vast majority 85% of the animals killed by pet cats are not brought home mm. um, and when we think about these urban areas where there's just you know everyone has a cat there's, domestic cats are everywhere they are a really 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 big threat so on top of that We've also got, you know, if we're looking out for our, our little kitties out there, um, it is a lot safer to keep your cat indoors. It, it extends the lifespan of your cat. It, it protects them from disease and getting in fights and all sorts of nasty things. So mm-hmm. that's one thing at least we can all do is try and be responsible okay. pet owners, just like a tiny little grain of sand in this massive mm-hmm. dune. Look, we'll um, take it. But it, it makes a difference. Yeah. I guess I'd love to keep, keep ranting on, but... <laughs> I better wrap up. But
2: you better stop there. Well, so despite criticizing uh, cats for the last (laughs) portion of her segment there, Ailish has tried to tell us that she's cool for cats. So uh, (laughs) to make an amends to cats owners, here is Cool for Cats by Squeeze.
3: You're listening to Radio Silence, We're bringing science into focus here on Radio Fodder. You just heard Cool for Cats by Squeeze. And today we're going to be talking some more extinction science. Cade, what have you got to tell us about pterodactyls?
2: So, yeah, as I I mentioned, we're going to be chatting pterodactyls, which are... Definitely, one hundred percent a thing that did exist. Did exist. Uh, they don't. Ex- so I was partially correct. They don't exist anymore. <laughs> They're not real anymore.
3: So is that the same as unicorns? Uh,
2: look, who knows? Um, maybe there's a big. The government's hiding unicorn. Uh. Uh, no, look, sorry. You know, this is a science show. I'm not going to like stir any <laughs> conspiracy theory pots accidentally. Um, unicorns, as far as I'm aware, have never existed. Pterodactyls um, did, in fact, exist, okay. but. There are also a lot of misconceptions around what that means and what actually existed when we say pterodactyl, because often, I don't know, I feel like people will also just colloquially refer to any like prehistoric flying reptile thing as a pterodactyl, but they weren't all pterodactyls. Mm. They were pterosaurs, right? Right. And also they're not dinosaurs. People are like, oh yeah, pterodactyls, they're the flying Flying dinosaurs. dinosaurs. And it's like both of those things are not, (laughs) not, not true. Well, I mean, they flew, they flew. But what they were, what pterodactyls were, was a specific group of extinct flying reptiles called pterosaurs, um, and they were just one species of this pterosaur. And pterosaurs are like dinosaurs. They're like cousins to dinosaurs, but they weren't dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Um, But they did fly. Um, Whereas dinosaurs didn't, with, (laughs) of course, the exception of the Velociraptor. There's always exceptions to all of these like confusing little, like, but we'll ignore that. Um, (laughs) But essentially, so pterosaurs, they lived during the Mesozoic era alongside the dinosaurs. They were buddies. They were, well, they they lived together. They coexisted. (laughs) Don't know if they were buddies. Um, But pterosaurs were the first vertebrates to achieve powered flight. So they were before birds, They, because yep. they weren't birds. That was the other thing. They were reptiles. Yes. Um, Even though
3: dinosaurs became birds and were reptiles.
2: I know, right? <laughs> the whole thing is just so, like, <sighs> but it's a distinct thing. And the word pterosaur means winged lizard, because the sore bit. Seems lizard. sensible. Um, yeah. And pterodactyl means wing finger, <laughs> because yeah. very specifically, the long bone that the like wing attaches to yeah. is essentially their pinky finger. Which is, like, that's different to birds, right? And bats, like, who kind of, like, it's yeah. more their yeah. arm and their wrist kind of that the wing attaches to. I'm doing all these gestures as though anyone <laughs> listening to <laughs> the radio great. show, you guys are We're getting it. are enjoying it. it. Um, but, no, it's – it's they just have very, very long little pinky fingers. And so, obviously, like, they're elongated. They're not just, like, proportional, like, as we would consider a finger. Um, but in terms of where they sit in the chain of bones of the limb, um, it's it's the bone that goes, yeah, from, like, the wrist – to the wingtip that comes out that this like membrane and this like membrane, which is like a skin membrane that is like their wing attaches to. Okay. To this big bone. And like, so speaking of their bones, the bones were hollow, which is like crazy, right? Um, Bird bones also are the same for this, by the way. So like that, that helps because that means that they're very lightweight, Mm. which like these animals need to fly in the air. And I'll kind of get to that a little bit more in a sec, but, Also, the hollow hollow bones, sorry, like, oh, my gosh, it was really cool. Um, So they were so thin. I read somewhere as thin as a playing card. So these bones, thin as a playing card and hollow, which is just like, oh, my gosh, these animals are so light. And then it's not just for reduced weight, but it's like to do with respiratory function. Right. So these bones have like air sacs that kind of extend from the lungs and invade various parts of these like bones that act as like bellows to help circulate the air throughout the entire like respiratory system during flight. (laughs) Yeah. And these air sacs, yeah, connected to the lungs, which allow for like a constant supply of this fresh oxygenated air and cools the body during the flight dissipating the heat generated by the metabolic processes required when you like flappy the wings and do the like powered flight thing. Mm. Yeah, And so birds also have a very similar system with air sacs kind of through their bones, but Mm -hmm. they kind of, they evolved this very separately, which means they evolved flight separately. It kind of makes sense that they also evolved this kind of like breathing, air cooling, light bone, hollow situation um, separately. But that's, I don't know. I think that's really cool, but it makes sense that they need this additional sort of keep the body cool because, you know, similar to your news story, Kai, mm. like these things were hecking huge, yeah. or at least, sorry, some of, some of them were huge, right? So, for example, there was the pter- pteranodon, I think is how you pronounce that, mm-hmm. which had a wingspan of up to 11 meters. What? That's a dragon. That's an airplane. <laughs> that's that's a small airplane that you can sit inside. Like, that's, right? But, yeah, that's a dragon. That's a, like, so, okay, so 11 meter wingspan, small airplane, dragon. How much do you think this thing weighed? Keeping mind the oh hollow bone situation, right? Fine. So it's going to be light, but like, what do you think?
0: Uh, kilograms. 100. Okay. I don't even want to guess. <sighs> nah, come on, I'm guess. Chuck a <laughs> guess in. Chuck a cheeky guess. Um, um, 223
2: <laughs> <laughs> kilograms. What? Yep. What? I mean, it makes sense. 11 meters. Yeah. Light bones. Oh hollow, my but gosh. like, yeah. And so this is how these things were able to fly. And they were like the first um vertebrae to achieve this, like, powered flight because they could. Like, they'd adapted to it. Like, it was so cool. But, wow. you know, that's just the giant ones, right? And then you've got pterodactyls, which, you know, I started off talking about, um, are about 1.5 to 3-meter wingspan is how big they were, which is, like, not 11 meters. But still it's quite still quite big. still quite big. Terrifying if um, it was just,
0: like, coming for
2: you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah then, you think getting
3: swept by a magpie is yeah. bad.
2: Well, there were also these tiny little baby ones that had <laughs> a 25-centimeter <25 laughs> wingspan. Uh, I'm not even going to try. Oh, I'm going to try and pronounce the <laughs> name. Mm. Nemit Nemicolopterus crypticus. I don't know, but they were just—they <laughs> were agile little guys. Um, so like, huge, huge diversity in like body size, also in shape, also in like ecological roles, right? So like, they had so many different environments that they lived in, from tropical forests to deserts. Like, their fossils have literally been found on every continent, and like, they probably played all the different important roles in their respective ecosystems. So like, predators, scavengers pollinators, like all of them. Mm. Pterosaurs just did all of it. Lots of diversity. Um, but now I need to jump onto like the relevant part of the show that, you know, the bit <laughs> that kind of makes this relevant to bring up their extinction. It, they, it happened. They died. Um, so, you know, they went extinct. Like I kind of butted into aliens <laughs> section and, and said around the same time as the dinosaurs, which was the end of the um, Cretaceous period, which is about 66 million years ago. Um, so this extinction event, which I think you said was the fifth mass yeah extinction, yeah, is known as the Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event, um, and like literally was one of the most significant events in the history of life on Earth. Um, it marked the end of the Mesozoic era as well as the end of the like um, Cretaceous period. Mm-hmm. Like it was a very it was a defining kind of period era turning point, point. Um, and just like all the dinosaurs, all the pterosaurs, and several other animals. But not all of the animals because mm. um, birds, mammals didn't, mm. but um, a lot of them went extinct. And like the exact cause of it is actually still a subject of debate among a lot of scientists. But the most widely accepted theory is that it was caused by a large asteroid um, impact that happened in Mexico, Mm -hmm. and, like, the impact it would have released huge amounts of energy, right, causing massive wildfires, earthquakes, tsunamis, um, as well as ejecting, like, massive amounts of debris and dust into the atmosphere. And then, like, this debris and dust would then have, like, blocked out the sun's rays and caused essentially a global cooling Mm -hmm. effect, like a temporary nuclear winter, essentially, that would have just absolutely messed with all of the planet's ecosystems. And, you know, not surprisingly, like, the resulting disruptions – Oh, just hurt a lot of species to the point of (laughs) extinction. Um, because they just weren't able to adapt to these like very rapidly changing conditions. So, yeah, like I said, dinosaurs, um, that's not pterosaurs, (laughs) all of them. Um, but essentially, yeah, like there's hope. The mammals and the birds, they were able to like like, flourish and, Mm -hmm. and go on. Um, But interestingly, right, so even though this sort of mass extinction event is most likely a cause or a contributing factor to the pterodactyl's ultimate Mm. demise, it's likely not the only one. So there are some scientists that actually believe pterodactyls (coughs) may have been declining in their diversity and abundance, like, even before this mass extinction event. Um, So they think that this might have been due to competition with birds, which were Uh. rapidly evolving during the late Cretaceous period. So birds had started, like, birds had just discovered, like, flying, right? Essentially. Um, And so, like, birds and pterodactyls, they have a lot in common. Um, as we've kind of alluded to throughout the segment already Um, but there were also important differences so birds had more advanced feathers so it's kind of coming out similar to dinosaurs pterodactyls um, and pterosaurs potentially had feathers um, is kind of the latest thinking around that but bird feathers were better essentially they had more advanced (laughs) feathers that allowed for more precise control of their flight Um, birds also had more efficient respiratory systems that you know went into the bones similarly but just They were just better. Um, And it let them fly at higher altitudes and for longer periods of time than pterosaurs. So as birds became more advanced, it's very likely that they might have outcompeted pterodactyls and pterosaurs for resources and for habitats. And so they noticed, like, you know, there was a diminishing in fossils. And so possibly, possibly had the asteroid not, like, definitely put an end to it, like, we still might not have pterosaurs today. We might not be, you know riding a pterosaur across the country (laughs) instead of a plane, which is, like, that's my dream, really, realistically, right? That's the fantasy I live out in my... No, maybe not. I think it would be terrifying, but...
3: uh, (laughs) Terrifying? (laughs) Terrifying with
2: a P? Yeah, terrifying for all those at home. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, so that's essentially, you know, the extinction about them. But it's, it's really hard to study pterosaurs, and there's a reason that we don't kind of know like heaps about them we know quite a bit considering they've been gone for like Mm. a long time but their fossils are often like really poorly preserved um which if you think about the bones which i've described like plain card thin hollow bones are not going to fossil well like they're just not it's you know it's sad so it makes it hard to reconstruct their anatomy and behavior um but like recently advances in technology like high high resolution ct scanning um have let Researchers study these fossils in like much more detail than ever before, which has given a lot of new insight into their potential like biology and behavior. Or oh, sorry, their biology and then potential behavior. Yeah. Um, so you know, for example, recently it's been revealed that they were probably covered in feathers, which helped them regulate their body temperature, and there were aerodynamic benefits. Um, there's also studies that have suggested they were highly social animals that formed like breeding colonies and came for their young. Right? (laughs) Adorable. Um, you know, the movie dinosaurs. I want to see the movie Pterosaurs. Yeah, right? (laughs) Um, the villains of this story, the true villains. (laughs) Um, also there have been studies that have been able to like reconstruct the flight performance of pterosaurs using computer models, which has helped shed light on like how these animals were able to use their really cool wings to like achieve and maintain flight. Which like, okay, just quickly, one last really interesting thing about their like flight is that they had this really unique, well, not so much about their flight, but about their wings. They had this really unique wing structure that allowed them to essentially like fold their wings into their body that made them more efficient walkers. So they could also like, you know, yeah. So like unlike birds, which sort of tuck their wings tightly against their body when walking or running, right? Pterosaurs, like pterodactyls, could like fold their wings out to the side that allowed them to sort of walk on all fours like a kind Ah, of like like a like a bulldog or like a gorilla kind of like quadruped thing right so the pterosaur's wing membrane was supported by this kind of long kind of bone and it could be rotated and positioned in this like weird perpendicular to the rest of the hand plonking thing and create these these little
0: like Feet for walking for little four legged walking. Once again, Kate is giving us some. Great, oh my gosh, I'm giving um, little hand activity, motions yeah. of like
2: the little fingers doing the little walking, which like I don't know. You guys can picture it, or you can uh, Google it, or just I don't know. It's very cute, very cool. Very Pterodactyls, cool. the best animal ever. I rest my case. I rest my you know mic <laughs> my, my drop. Mic my drop. Drop my mic. I all didn't know this those. was
3: a uh, debate about yep. the best extinct animal ever. It became ever. one
2: when Ailish asked us all at the start what our <laughs> favourites were, and here I am defending my case. Thank all you right. and good night. Well,
3: in honour of pterodactyls getting the crown of best extinct animal ever, here is Pterodactyl by Bendigo Fletcher.
0: You are listening to Radio Silence on Radio Fodder. That was Pterodactyl by Bendigo Fletcher. We're talking all about extinctions. Kai, you're up. All
3: right. So we know that geological periods are actually defined by the the strata in the rock like the layers of rock often are used to de- actually define the periods because different layers of rock were laid down at different times mm-hmm. and it's really interesting that this naming sort of f- like leaks into the how the time periods are named like you might have the the lower and upper Cretaceous period instead of the early and late
2: oh that's why that's
3: why yeah right <laughs>
2: I've literally that Penny drop moment.
3: Great. Yeah, so that's pretty weird that That we talk about the the location in The Rock rather than the location in time, which Mm. I thought was pretty fun. Mm. Um, And, yeah, also – when I was a five-year-old, I was very much into dinosaurs. Um,
2: you look like the sort of kid that was into dinosaurs. <laughs> and that's, like, I don't mean that offensively. They, either, you remotely. mean in the that's best way, yeah. Totally.
3: Um, and, yeah, as a five-year-old, I could name all the, the three periods that the dinosaurs lived in, the, yes, like could. Triassic, Jurassic, and Cretaceous periods. Yeah, I was waiting for it. Yeah, <laughs> and at the end of the Cretaceous period, which we heard from Cade, Cade. Mm. Um, there's no more dinosaurs. No, and or pterosaurs, or pterosaurs, or lots of other species that mm. don't get as much recognition recognition as they probably deserve. No, also true. Um, but yeah, this the end of the Cretaceous period. Like one of the things that you notice in the strata is like on one side there's dinosaur fossils, and on the other side, mm. no more dinosaurs. Mm. And this is like one of the ways that they know, like one of the reasons why we've got this definition of the end of one geological period. Mm. And it's also marked by a very large amount of iridium metal in the, the the strata right at the boundary. And they the reason Ooh. why they're quite confident it was an asteroid that killed the dinosaurs yeah. is because this amount of iridium could only have come from an asteroid. Mm. So at the time, like at the layer in in the rock where there's no more dinosaurs, there's also this huge amount of iridium. So it must have been the dinosaurs, the, the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. Um But I don't really want to talk about the extinction event at the end of the Cretaceous. (laughs) It gets enough publicity as it is. Kate already spoke about it.
2: It already. Um,
3: I want to talk about an earlier mass extinction event. Mm -hmm. And as we heard from Eilish, there have been five so far. Mm -hmm. And the one I want to talk about happened around 252 million years ago. And it's at the Permian-Triassic boundary. So Mm -hmm. Triassic was when dinosaurs first started on the scene. But prior to that was the Permian period. And the reason I want to talk about this extinction event is because it was much, much more devastating than the extinction event Mm. that killed the dinosaurs. Really? Uh, Yeah. It's colloquially referred to as the great dying because it's the most devastating extinction event in Earth's history. Yeah. Okay. And so some estimates say that when the dinosaurs were wiped out, about 75% of all living species Mm -hmm. went along with them. and. At the end of the Permian period, they think it was possibly up to 96%.
2: Oh, what?
3: Yeah. So of all the species in existence at the time, only about 4% survived. (sighs) So that's... That's insane. Is actually insane. And it it wasn't just animals. Like, we've got to think about everything. You know, you've got Mm, aquatic animals, mm -hmm. plants, even things like microbes became extinct. Right. You know, life... Encompasses so many species, and for 96% of them to get wiped out, you know, trees went extinct, yeah, and then came back again. Whoa, let's hear it for
2: trees! (laughs) (laughs) Shout out, it took them
3: about six million years to come back out again. But this is, yeah, this is crazy that you know, so much actually wiped out. One of the things, well, one of the consequences of this was that because all the plants were dying off Mm. and the trees. It meant that fungus could take over, like nice. fungus was one of the things that that survived in the, the you know survived through this extinction event. I love it when
2: the fungi takes <laughs> over. It's always a blast. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> Appropriate response. <result. laughs> but you can. It's really interesting that they can see this. There you know. Fungi renaissance in the strata because you've got one layer of mm. rock that has, you know, fossilized pollen grains from plants mm-hmm. in it. And then you go to the next layer that's laid down on top and there's no pollen and it's just all these f- like s- sort of wispy fungus strands and stuff mm. that have been fossilized. And, you know, this sort of distinction shows that we've mm-hmm. gone from the point of having plants dominating to fungus taking over.
0: Yeah.
3: And yeah, one of the reasons why the fungus could take over is because now that all of a sudden there's a whole lot of dead plant matter lying around.
2: True. nom nom. Yeah, yeah. Yum, yum.
3: so the fungus went wild. Um, but, oh yeah, some other alum- um, animals that went extinct were the trilobites. So, you yep. know, the little crawly segmented things. Um,
0: <laughs> seen them in <laughs> Animal Crossing. <laughs> Animal Crossing. <laughs> I've, I've literally collected got many. no idea. Uh, <laughs>
3: I don't know. They're like they look like those Slater bugs with all the segments, yeah. you know, the ones that curl up in a ball. Um anyway.
2: Oh, those. Yeah, sorry. I just Googled it. Um, <laughs> and if you're also like, what? Uh Google it and you'll, and you'll, you'll know, know, you'll know. You'll know. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
3: yeah. Um yeah, they went extinct at the end of the Permian period. So yeah, they weren't around when dinosaurs were around, unfortunately. Or fortunately, depends who you ask, maybe. <laughs> um but the real the real interesting thing is we don't really know why this extinction event happened. Mm. Like we're quite confident. I've, I've
0: been waiting. I've yeah, been waiting. <laughs> yeah, right. That's
3: <laughs> we're quite confident that it was an asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs because yeah. of the amount of iridium yeah. in the in the layers of rock. So we're it's quite it... confident it's humans that are currently <laughs> messing things up for yes. everyone. Bit of a mystery why yeah. this mass extinction event happened.
2: Oh, that's, but that was so big.
3: Yeah, and. Some people think it was also an asteroid impact, which, you know, makes sense if asteroids are as devastating mm. as mm-hmm. as we know that they can be. But there uh, was no signature of it. Well, well that's the thing. There's, there's sort of hints to all of the possible, like, methods of extinction here. So okay. um, there's a possible impact site that they have found off the northwest coast of Australia. Okay. So they look at the, you know, the continental shelf under the sea and they mm-hmm. find this, like, you know, sort of hill that is kind of typical of what an Mm. asteroid impact looks like when there's Mm -hmm. a crater often there's a bit of a hill that forms in the center of this huge crater they think it's like 120 kilometers across which is (laughs) giant yikes and yeah other things like samples of what's called shocked quartz so this is quartz that's undergone a process Mm. that can only happen by the huge amount of energy from Mm -hmm. an asteroid impact so yeah, there's evidence that there, there might have been this huge asteroid impact, and we know that that can cause extinctions. Like, it, as Cade was saying, mm. it, lots of material gets blown up into the air, blocks out the sun, can also cause acid rain, because oh. there's, like, chemicals that are now in the atmosphere, and when they rain back down, that is causes acid rain. Yeah. And also acid snow because of the, <laughs> like acid the snow. global <laughs> cooling effect from all the blocked-out sunlight. Oh, my gosh. And... This is really bad news for plants.
2: It's really bad news for everyone, I would have thought. Yeah, but like
3: plants specifically, and I think that one of the reasons why plants took such a beating in this extinction was because of acid rain. And, Mm. yeah, destroyed all the plants, which consequently meant all the herbivores starved and then all the carnivores starved as well. Plants, they're important. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, not conclusive that it was an asteroid. Another possible explanation was related to excess carbon dioxide in the ocean and they think that certain mm. sea creatures that produce carbon dioxide just sort of got away you know, got away with it and mm. there wasn't anything or no competition to bring back the balance of carbon dioxide back down again. Right. So that released huge amounts of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, which, much like our current problem, you know, caused a global warming effect. Mm-hmm. And this also, you know, caused climate change and all the plants couldn't Deal with it, and yeah, just generally shocking the Earth's climate system was enough mm. to bring about this extinction event. Gosh, um, another hypothesis has to do with volcanic activity. So, and the the best candidate they found for this is mm-hmm. an area in Siberia where there is a four-kilometer-thick layer of <laughs> lava that's been oh, laid down wow. by volcanic that's activity. not small. No, that's like very thick, which means that there were lots of active volcanoes pumping out lava for mm-hmm. a, like a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's not just lava that comes out of volcanoes, also things like ash, which can block out mm-hmm. sunlight, yeah. mm-hmm. and also gases like toxic chemicals that also can cause acid rain but can also act as greenhouse gases as well. So potentially... You know, all of these things were sort of mixing together. Yeah, I was going to say that
2: plus the asteroid plus yeah, that just like just and a th- bad time.
3: And they think it might have been like an unfortunate coincidence mm. of all of these things happening in sort of the yeah. span of a few hundred thousand or maybe like a million years, which seems like a long time, but in geological time scales, that's basically the blink of an eye. Yeah. So yeah, all happening at the same time, which meant that. Yeah, this nasty combination of all sorts mm. of things going on at once meant that pretty much all life on Earth had a really tough time. Mm. So it's pretty crazy to imagine what life mm. would have been like walking around on a planet where 96% has gone extinct.
0: Just so miserable, but also just so amazing that life can come back after that. Like yeah. You just think That's true. this is
2: it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Yeah, surely you're like, you know, even those like, you know, 4% that's left, you're like, there's no way they can survive in this world. And yet, from that, fucking yeah. everything has just emerged and just like-
3: Yeah, and like before the- like then born during...
2: extinct again. <laughs> but you know, we won't think about <laughs> that. sort of
3: re-evolved. During the Permian period, there weren't dinosaurs because as we know, dinosaurs are a specific group of of animals but there were similar reptile-like creatures like dinosaurs mm. and mm-hmm. they went extinct and then mm. maybe the few remained or the few animals that, that survived were able to then re-evolve into dinosaurs and mm. there was a whole period of dinosaurs running around and then mm. they went extinct.
2: And now we have chickens. And now we have chickens. <laughs> 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 Which I don't know if that's an upgrade or a, or a downgrade. Yeah. I don't know. Um, dinosaurs
3: seem pretty cool. But. I know what a dinosaur would taste like.
2: Anyway! <laughs> well look with that (laughs) wonderful thought to finish us off um (laughs) thank you for listening everybody i hope you've enjoyed this show all about extinctions remember you can follow us at radio radio not radio that's not our handle (laughs) follow us at radio silence on twitter and you can catch any of our past shows on spotify or wherever you get your podcasts here is our final song which is extinction by killstation